Hey guys, welcome to another podcast. Look, today's episode is a little bit different. I recently spoke to a group of lending managers and bankers at one of the largest banks in Australia, a very, very influential bunch of people. And what I spoke about is a four-step process that I use and that I've seen a lot of successful businesses put into place to build awesome products and awesome services. I broke it down, I made it relevant to financial services, but you can use it regardless of what business you're in, what business you're working in, what business you're running, whatever you're doing, you can use this four-step process. Hope you enjoy it. Remember to subscribe. We'll be back next week with more of our usual episodes. What I want to talk about today is a formula that I've seen from talking to successful business owners, top 200 companies, clients, wealthy clients of mine, people that achieve great things that I meet all the time, whether it's in sport, whether it's in business, whether it's in art, whether it's in music or whatever it may be. I think it comes down to four steps, right? And these four steps, if you apply them and if you walk away, from here today and you start thinking about these four steps, you'll see a huge difference in the way you perceive yourself and the way people perceive you. All right? Any questions before I go on? Anybody want to add anything? Nothing? All right. Who's here heard of the hustle mentality that's now popular? Hustle, hustle, hustle. I'm hustling. I'm working really hard to get this deal done. You know, look at me, look how hard I work. There's a hustle mentality out there. Anybody heard of it? Awesome, show of hands. Come on guys, get interactive. Hustle mentality, yeah, heard of it? I reckon the hustle mentality is bullshit. And I'll explain to you why. The hustle mentality is really a way, an unstrategic way of working, right? It's a dumb way of working. It's a way that's sold to you as being cool. It's a way that's being sold at the moment as being trendy and hip and you have to hustle, you have to push really hard and I reckon that's bullshit because the smartest businesses in the world, the smartest executives in the world don't hustle. They're strategic. They plan. They execute. They listen and they refine and that's what I want to talk about today. The first step is to really plan what you want. Why are you here? Is it because it's the only job you could get? Is it because it's a stepping stone to your career? Is it because you really care about your clients? Is it because you don't really care but you're just in it for the money? Why? What do you do what you do, dude? Uh, the second and third thing. Which is so what? Stepping stone and caring for your clients. Stepping stone and caring for your clients. How about yourself? Stepping stone and caring for your clients. Anybody else here for a different reason? Provide for your family. So you go out and you get a job because it gives you the income. You get to do something that's hopefully interesting and you want to progress. But how many of you here actually have a plan as to what your progression is? You know exactly what you want from your career. Do you know what you want from your career? 
can you pull it out? Yeah. You just came back to the organisation. You know you want to be here, but you're here now. And I think being here now is not enough. Everyone's here. Anybody can show up. Anybody can turn up, right? But the successful people aren't those that turn up. The successful people are those that turn up and do things and achieve and change. And I ask this question not because I want to make you feel bad, but whether I'm sitting here or in Bondi or in Melbourne or in Chicago, people are the same, right? You come into this organisation, you get quite comfortable, things are going okay, you're getting a paycheck and you lose that hunger. And that hunger is very important. You need to know exactly what you're doing today, what you're doing tomorrow, what you want to achieve in the next one, three, five, ten years, twenty years, and when you die, when people turn up to your funeral, what they say about you. Right? If you were to go outside and get hit by a car today, what will people say about you? Someone asked me the other day, what's the KPI for what you do? I said, if I drop dead today, what will I be remembered for? That's my only KPI. Because that's that's all that lives, that's all that survives. Everything else goes to waste. What are your plans, guys? What are your plans? What do you want to achieve? Your customers and your clients are a reflection of you. If you're not writing business, look at yourself in the mirror. People don't want to buy from you. Why don't they want to buy from you? Right? You're selling a commoditized product. You're selling a service. You're selling something that isn't scarce. You're selling something that's very, very competitive. And the only scarcity, the only competitive advantage has to be yourself. We are no longer in an industrialized economy. 100 years ago, businesses made stuff, okay, and they marketed it and you bought stuff. Yeah, you bought things. The world's changing now. We're in a connection economy. And in a connection economy, people buy relationships. People are buying, they're not buying a mortgage off you. They're buying a connection to a saver. Someone goes and puts a million dollars in the bank, you guys lend it out. You're a connection business. Okay, and what happens in a connection economy, what's Google? Google's a connection business. It connects the pizza shop or the florist with somebody that's looking for flowers. And everything else that it does is a means to get you to connect to somebody else. What's Facebook? Facebook's a connection business. What's Twitter? What's Instagram? What's Snapchat? What are all these businesses? They're connection businesses. What's Apple? Apple has gone from, some, from a business that, that created desktop computers to connect people with the world. And now that the world's connected, they're looking at making their connections even stronger with Apple Pay, with the watch, with the phone, with the laptop, with the ecosystem. So... The first part is you need to plan, okay? If I'm in a connection economy and I'm working for an organisation that's so powerful and so strong and so ingrained in the community and people want to buy a connection, people want to buy a service, people want to buy a personality, how am I going to create that? If you don't want to be that person, don't work here. Go and do something else. Sorry to say it, right? But it's the truth. If people here don't want to be that person that's going out and servicing the customer to connect to this organization and to connect to the services, then go and do something else. And if you want to be here, figure out why and what your plan is.
Otherwise, you just become part of the furniture. Right? You just become like everything else. The whole concept of a job is, I think, changing. I think in the next 10 or 20 years, as we move from an industrial, um, an industrial economy to a services and a connection economy, organisations like this don't really need you. Right? There are guys where I work in Bridge Street, there are tens and tens and hundreds of really, really smart people, you've seen it, backed by millions and millions of dollars that are trying to figure out ways to cut out to, to get rid of your job. If you think about this organisation, right, and you've been given a really great opportunity as an employer, you get to turn up and you get, you get to be paid and remunerated first and then you have to perform. And that's a great privilege. And that's a privilege that I think is changing more and more if you have a look at the way freelancing is changing and if you have a look at the way technology is changing and the way businesses are changing, you have to appreciate that a job and an opportunity in an organisation like this isn't something to be taken for granted. It's something to be appreciated and it's an opportunity which you can use. Right? Imagine, imagine a homeless person came to your house and they had nothing and you took them in and you clothed them, gave them shelter, cooked for them, cleaned them, gave them money, and they sat around all day and took that for granted. It's the same as an employee that comes to an organisation that gets given an opportunity, that gets taken care of, trained, and an opportunity to listen to people like me in a guaranteed paycheck, and then if you're sitting down and not making the most out of that, that's really exploiting the relationship. So my point there is that don't take the whole job thing for granted. Figure out where you are, figure out what you want, because you'll be a mirror of that in the market. Second point, go and do things. Go and put those plans into action, right? When you want to be that trusted advisor in a community in Parramatta, in Homebush, in Liverpool, in Bankstown, people are hungry to hear from you. Figure out what, what it is that you can give them and go out and actually give them. So you have to actually do. Planning's not enough. Step one is planning, knowing how you want to be strategic. Step two is actually doing. Roll your sleeves up and actually do it. And do it better than everybody else and be hungry for that opportunity. Right? Develop that hunger. This is what successful businesses do. They don't just plan. They plan and execute. And then they listen. Step number three is listening. Listening is the most important part. If you're not listening, you're not improving. If you're not selling... There's one person here that put their hand up that's comfortable with their performance, which to me implies everybody else isn't comfortable. And the best way to go from being uncomfortable to comfortable is to listen to what your clients want. Listen to the feedback. Seek first to listen and then to be understood. It's very, very powerful. Your customers and your clients and your relationships are willing to tell you things if you're strategic enough to figure it out, if you're strategic enough to listen and to ask the right questions, they'll actually help you out. If you're not writing $10 million a month, right? there's a reason you're not writing $10 million a month. And if you're getting in front of 100 people a month and you're still not writing $10 million a month, then you ask those 100 people that didn't give you business why they haven't given you business. And that's very, very powerful. Apple doesn't just come up with products because it feels like it. It listens to the market. It anticipates the market. Okay? 
the most successful businesses and the most successful people out there listen to the market and anticipate and take value from what the market is telling them. And if you're going out there, the reason why I ended up in the property space running a property business is because when I was going out there and talking to people about financial planning and stocks, one out of every 10 people was interested, nine out of 10 wanted property. They wanted to invest in property. That's the market. I was mature and intelligent enough to listen to that and go and develop a property business. And we're continuing to change our business to be a business that listens to the market and anticipates the market, right? Now, you need to get in front of people first. And before you get in front of people, you need to be able to plan and be strategic. Plan, be strategic, get in front, listen to what they want. And the fourth step is refining. Refine and improve. Refine and improve what you're doing. Come back and provide that feedback and look for ways which you can become that trusted advisor in your community. Look at the resources that you have, whether it's economic forecasts, whether it's whatever you guys publish, right? I don't know. But I'm sure you guys have access to a lot of stuff that's published, a lot of things that are valuable to people. And they might not give you business, but if you can turn around and add value, you're expanding your network, you're, you're insulating yourself as a trusted advisor. And that's the difference when someone's thinking about a million dollar loan, they might be able to get a better rate, but we don't eat the cheapest food, we don't drive the cheapest cars, we don't wear the cheapest clothes. Cheap, cheap, cheap is prevalent in certain areas. But when there's value, people go and spend $1,000 on an iPhone because of perceived value. You can go and buy a $50 phone from Kmart, right? But Apple has done a good enough job in convincing you that they're the trusted advisor and when they put out a product, it is trustworthy enough for you to just say, Apple, iPhone 7, awesome, I'm going to go and pay 1000 bucks because I trust Apple. I know they're the best. And that's what you have to be. I know her. I know him. They give me content all the time. Every time I call them, they're there for me. They shoot things over to me. They've helped me out. I'm going back to them. I know somebody else is cheaper, but I like him and I want to do business with him. When you get married, the marriage industry, right? You can go and hire a photographer and pay them X amount and get them to freelance. But you go to these photography businesses because they sell you the service and they sell you the relationship and they sell you their track record and they get you to the state where you trust them and you don't want to blow that up. And home loans and financial products are the same thing because you're talking about people's wealth. It is the single biggest asset and the single biggest commitment that somebody will have in their life. So there is a role for you. But you need to, to summarise, be strategic. You need to do. You need to listen to the market. And you need to refine. And those of you who walk away today and put that into place, I guarantee you, in six months or in a year, you'll message me, you'll contact me on social media, and you'll tell me that this has worked for you. It's worked for Shane. That's why I'm here today. And so many people come back to me because it has worked for them. So the opportunity is for you guys, right? If you have a better way, awesome. Go and do something else. And say, so what this guy told us was absolute crap. But if you don't have a better way, this is the only way that I can give you that I'm sure will work for you. Okay, why do they want to think about it? Let's deconstruct the process. Do, do customers come here or do you meet them at home? 
first? Okay, let's assume somebody comes here on a Wednesday. Okay, they're parking. So this is, this is what I would do if I was you. I'd actually say, hey, come to, come to this address. There's parking on the street. It costs $5 an hour. You might want to avoid coming at 4 o'clock because you're going to get caught on Fairford Road or at 9 o'clock because you're going, to, you're going to arrive here frustrated. They're going to arrive here pissed off. Right? They need to go to the toilet. They've been sitting at an hour. They come here around lunchtime. Guess what? They're hungry. They've just walked past all those cafes. They've just seen a cafe downstairs and they're thinking, shit, I'm hungry. I really want to get a coffee. I'm sitting here. What's this person giving me? So I'd be strategic around my timing. Two o'clock. I always book meetings at two o'clock because I know that they've eaten and I know that they can leave before the traffic starts. Right? So that's one thing I would do. Second, I'd listen first. The first thing I did when I came in here, I asked you a question. And nobody really gave me any feedback, but I asked first. I wanted to listen. If everybody put their hand up, I wouldn't be giving this presentation. I'd be saying, why are you successful? What's working for you? What's... And I'd facilitate that. Right? So I asked first, because they might say to you, look, Shane, I'm really sick of looking for this home loan. Can you just do it for me? Get it over and done with and sort it out for me. And I don't care what the price is, just do it. That's the easiest sale you've made. And if there's someone that's like, look, I don't know what I want to buy. Uh, we've been looking around. Um, they tell you. You get all the information that you want. Then you have to prove to them that you're the trusted advisor. Why should they trust you? Okay? What do you what's your unique selling proposition? And different people will have different trigger points. Some people will want to see that you're not pushy. Some people will need to be pushed. Some people will want to see research. But if somebody's coming here, they're coming here to buy. They're not taking time out of their day to come to Homebush to waste time. Maybe, but you would have validated that. And then you need to have a process that closes the business. And if you don't, what do you need to do? You need to listen and reevaluate and figure out why you didn't close that deal. Was my pricing wrong? Was my appointment wrong? What happened wrong? What? That's right. And if you don't get the business, you follow up, right? Hey, how are you? Look, I know you've probably taken your loan to someone else. No, no, I haven't. Oh, you haven't? That's good. Yes, I have. No problem. I appreciate that. If you need anything else, if I could just ask you a question, what do you think we can do that could have made your experience better? Thank you for coming to see me. What could we have done? Where did we, where did we mess up? And you use that for refinement. Because they're going to tell you. If you're in front of people, you're already ahead. The biggest challenge that businesses have is they can't get in front of people. That's why they go to Google and they spend all this money or on Facebook or signboards everywhere because they can't get in front of people. If you're getting in front of people and you're not closing deals, the problem is not the people. The problem is not the market. The problem is you. Right? And the sooner you realise that, the better you will be and the better, more business you will write and the more content you will be. So you can't blame. Blaming customers is a cop-out.